0: Welcome to New Testament Topics with Brother Elliot Maloney, a Benedictine monk and Professor of New Testament Studies at St. Vincent's Seminary, Latrobe, Pennsylvania. Hello, this is Brother Elliot Maloney and today we're going to talk about poverty and wealth in Luke and Acts of the Apostles. So when we look to the Church's teaching on the proper use of this world's material goods, we may begin with the Gospel of Luke. This part of our scripture, the inspired Word of God, is well known for its strong embrace of the poor and its extensive teaching on wealth. Luke in particular presents Jesus with a strong emphasis on the proper disposition of our material possessions. In the many texts that Luke adduces we find a rather complex teaching on the practical use of goods. In this podcast I'd like to share with you at length just how the evangelist Luke went about this task as best we can reconstruct. We shall look at both new testament writings attributed to luke the gospel according to luke and the acts of the apostles now in this podcast we'll just use the traditional male gender he him her um, he him his and the name luke luke says in the prologue of his gospel That in his writing he brings together and lays out in orderly fashion the traditional testimony of, and let me quote, of those who were eyewitnesses from the beginning and ministers of the word, that is, the earliest church members, he tells us, uh, remembered the events on the life of Jesus and his followers. Luke does not write a theological treatise on the meeting of Jesus' life, however, or he doesn't even prepare a series of pastoral sermons like some of the church fathers. Instead, the evangelist followed the lead of the evangelist, Mark, and used that gospel as a basic outline for his own presentation of Jesus' teaching. Luke gathered and edited the stories of tradition to teach by demonstration the many facets of Christian belief. With the two volumes, then, Luke presents the teaching of the ministry of Jesus himself to its fateful end, and then describes the implementation of Jesus' gospel by his earliest followers in the Jerusalem church and its expansion throughout the known world. Now, in his first volume, Luke presents Jesus' gospel as focused on the central moral teaching of the Shema, the great command of God in Deuteronomy chapter 6, verse five, you shall love the Lord your God with your whole heart, with your whole being, and with your whole strength." That's quoted in Luke 10, 27. To this, Jesus adds, with a rather Greek emphasis, and with your whole mind. So for Luke, these make up four aspects or components of the personal life of the human being. Heart, being, strength, and mind. Jesus then adds to this God's directive to Israel through Moses when he says, You shall love your neighbor as yourself. That's Leviticus 19. In another place, Jesus rephrases this in what we call the golden rule. um, Do unto others as you would have them do to you. That's in Luke 6.31. These two commands make a single imperative in Luke. Love God and love your neighbor. This is because God loves others just as much as God loves you. Think of God as the shepherd who rejoices over the lost sheep in Luke 15. Since God demands to be loved by all we are, that would include all we have. For the best princip- the basic principle in all the Gospels, is that there is nothing that we have received except from God who created all things. Therefore, we must be ready to give back to God whatever God should deem necessary for the salvation of others. The Good Samaritan in chapter 10 of Luke demonstrates how one should treat one's neighbor with care. And generosity, and with one's material resources. He uses wine and oil, as you know from the story, and even his money. Note that he gives two silver coins to the innkeeper. Luke then uh, gives Jesus' main directive in his great sermon on the plain, be merciful just as your father is merciful that's in Luke 6:36. now when it comes to Jesus teaching on the proper use of wealth and possessions the outlook becomes a bit complicated Jesus does not seem to be very consistent on the one hand we see that Jesus commands of his disciples a radical detachment from all their resources all their money and possessions he says Every one of you who does not renounce all their possessions cannot be my disciple, 1433. Yet when he sends his disciples out to preach in chapter 9, he has to caution them to take no money along with them, evidently, because they had some money. In times of crisis, however, he advocates the opposite. There in chapter 22, he says, one who has a money bag should take it. We see that he tells the rich official in chapter 18 that he must sell all that you have and distribute it to the poor. Yet Jesus honors the tax collector Zacchaeus in the next chapter, in chapter 19, who gives half of what he has to the poor, only half. The attentive reader would point out that if Zacchaeus gave away all his money, he would not have any assets left to repay any mischarges that he says he always corrects, always giving back, in fact, four times the mistake. The words and actions of Jesus' disciples show discrepancies as well. After their miraculous catch of fish. When the disciples brought their boats to the shore, Luke says, they left everything and followed him. Do you think they just left all those fish sitting in the boats they abandoned? Surely not. Levi is said to have, quote, left everything behind. But he can still give a great banquet for Jesus in his house with a large group of guests at table with him. That's in chapter 4. Mary and Martha were not asked to give up anything from their evidently comfortable house in Luke 10, and the centurion Cornelius was not confronted at all about his wealth or position before he was baptized in the Acts of the Apostles, chapter 10. Several women, Luke tells us, accompanied Jesus and the twelve on their preaching mission In chapter 8. They are noted as among many who provided for the group out of their resources, out of their own resources. The Acts of the Apostles tells us that the disciples, quote, would sell their property and possessions and divide them among all according to each one's need. Yet, when Ananias lies to Peter about such a property sale, Peter says to him that he didn't have to give all the proceeds of the transaction to the church. That's in Acts 5. Now, for us to make sense out of all of this, we must first of all realize certain factors of ancient storytelling. First of all, Luke is not trying to give us some kind of treatise on the practice of absolute poverty. First of all, uh, now, he is telling us stories from various traditions that he took over from Mark. Then he adds quite a few sayings and parables that he found in the collection of Jesus sayings that scholars call the Q document or the Q source. These he combined with his own private stock of traditions, which we call L, on wealth and poverty, and he was never afraid to embellish these as he thought fit. So we can see his grouping of most of the items in the gospel into three collections, chapters 12, 14, and eighteen, nineteen. In the Acts of the Apostles, all consideration of the subject of po- wealth and poverty abruptly ends in chapter 11 when he has shown that the Lord's teaching is being carried out. In all of this, Luke has uh, ended up with a rather complicated, but very insightful wisdom about material wealth. So let's explain. Ancient writers saw no need to make everything perfectly consistent in their stories because people understood many conventions about ancient storytelling. Notably, and first of all, is the use of hyperbole, the exaggerating of certain details of a narrative for literary effect. It makes the point more strongly or more clearly. Jesus says, for example, renounce all possessions and be my disciple. Well, this is surely an example of hyperbole. This this use of all in hyperbole is actually quite common in Luke. Luke says, All the people would get up early each morning and listen to Jesus in chapter 21. Well, surely we're not meant to take this as literally as if everyone in the whole city of Jerusalem came out every day to hear Jesus. So also in Acts 1, Luke is clearly exaggerating when he says in the prologue that he has dealt with all that Jesus did and said in his ministry. Now, we must also consider that the word renounce is a command that may mean to do so only temporarily. The Jewish historian Flavius Josephus, for example, uses the same Greek word apotasso in Greek In a temporal sense, about the the great Esther of the Bible, quote, Esther renounced food and drink for three days. Renounced, but only for three days. Certainly the disciples, who left all to follow after Jesus, did so only for a set time, to go on, let's say, a week-long mission with Jesus to the towns of Galilee or wherever else. This is shown by Jesus having to call them to join him on the mountain, where he would name the 12 apostles, um, chapter 6. The evangelist has to assure us that when Jesus went to a city called Nain, his disciples were accompanying him, in chapter 7. Again, in eight, chapter 8, in the beginning, when Luke mentions the women who were accompanying Jesus, We can hardly imagine a group of Jewish women at that time following Jesus all the time away from their homes and children without their husbands. From this we can understand how renouncing possessions may also have different meanings at different times and in different circumstances. As for those who have many possessions, Luke's Jesus makes it clear that having wealth can be a dangerous situation. When he takes over certain stories original to the Gospel of Mark, he makes them more negative on wealth. For example, the rich, uh, in Luke's explanation of the parable of the sower, the rich, even if they have heard the word, are choked off by anxieties and riches and the pleasures of life. Compare that with in Luke 8, 8, 14 to Mark 4, 19. The term mammon is an old Aramaic name for a god of wealth, so calling riches mammon just underlines their rivalry, the danger of their rivalry with God. Jesus says, no servant can serve two masters. You cannot serve God and mammon. In the story of the rich man and Lazarus, the wealthy man is condemned because his rich banqueting blinded him so that he didn't even notice poor Lazarus starving at his front door, chapter 16. In the parable of the rich fool in chapter 12, the unwise owner doesn't even think of feeding the poor with some of his overabundant harvest. Too bad for him when he dies that night. One of the biggest problems Jesus has with the Pharisees, Luke tells us, is that they loved money, chapter 16, 14. Again, Jesus directs his followers very severely when he says, take care against any kind of greed. Even if you are rich, life does not consist of possessions. But there is a proper way to use wealth, as Jesus' interaction with some wealthy people shows us. We've already mentioned the rich tax collector Zacchaeus, as well as the women who provided for them out of their own resources. We can add the wealthy banquet givers of a couple of parables where Jesus gives advice on where to sit and how to keep the poor in mind. From Acts of the Apostles, we know Barnabas, who volunteered a sale of property. And in Acts 18, we also see Priscilla and Aquila provided uh, employment for Paul from their obviously successful tent-making business. Jesus, in fact, did give some solid advice on how to use possessions. For one thing, you'd better take good care of whatever possessions you're in charge of, for as Jesus says in Luke chapter 16, if you're not trustworthy with dishonest wealth, who will trust you? with true wealth. This refers, of course, to the more weighty matters of the Spirit. Certainly one must have some disposable income to be able to give alms, because this is a big part of Christian living for Luke. So Luke clearly shows that Jesus made allowance for the proper use of possessions. With regard to wealth, therefore, it is okay if it is administered wisely and the excess given to the poor this is what the vigilant steward in chapter 12 and the trustworthy servant in chapter 16 this is what they end up doing furthermore we can now see that renunciation of possessions may sometimes refer to an internal attitude so that wealth is okay to have if one is detached from it and can use it properly, that is, by sharing any excess with the poor. Finally, no social distinctions should ever be made on the basis of wealth. So let's sum up now the considered teaching of Jesus as emphasized by Luke in both the Gospel of Luke and the book of Acts of the Apostles, this is based on the Jewish Christian belief that all our possessions come from God. Our wealth is therefore to be used freely by us as God provides the opportunity. Luke has organized a great deal of traditional material to help Christians follow the new Exodus of Jesus. In the new kingdom, the value system of the ancient world is reversed in a new and merciful wisdom, unheard of in the kingdom of Caesar. Only a decent life for all men and women and children is acceptable to God. God demands this sharing of all the earth's goods, even now in the present state of the kingdom. Luke's central moral directive is to follow Jesus' lead and imitate his life in his new exodus to God's salvation for all nations. We may conclude that the evangelist Luke used various sources for his present presentation, his narrative presentation, of the subject of possessions in both the Gospel and Acts, and so he ended up with a rather complicated but very insightful wisdom on material wealth. We also noted that ancient hearers of narratives about heroes expected and understood various techniques of storytelling, including hyperbole, the exaggeration of details for dramatic effects as well as certain nuances of the meaning of the whole idea of renouncing material possessions. Sometimes renunciation should only be temporary, as in a fast or providing for a short journey. So too, the word renounce may even refer to an internal detachment, making a moral decision that leads to observable external behavior in a given instance, for example, when Barnabas, with his property in Acts, gives it when the community needed it, willing to sell it and give the proceeds to the church. We find Jesus cautioning against greed of any kind, and yet encouraging a prudent and calculating use of the world's goods. Jesus says that a disciple must renounce all possessions, and yet he enjoys the wealth of some of his followers at banquets, and he utilizes what they contribute as provisions for his mission. Therefore, the honest Christian must exercise detachment from all their material goods, be ready to utilize both money, possessions, and time for the sake and the need of others' In the kingdom. For some this may mean a radical giving up of all wealth that is not necessary for living, but for others a proper maintenance of goods may be important for the outreach of the church to the unfortunate, as in the dole to the widows in Acts chapter 6. The evangelist Luke focuses on this teaching of Jesus as very important the founding of his church, and throughout the centuries, generosity has been a hallmark of the success of the Christian mission. Luke's central moral directive, we can say now, is to follow Jesus' lead and imitate his life. Once Jesus leaves his family home in Nazareth for his public ministry, He doesn't return there very often, but he stays with others wherever he is teaching at the time. The basic principle we see here is Jesus' complete dependence on God's goodness shown in the hearts of the people that he befriended. Jesus had a special inner group of 12 disciples that he trained for leadership in the church. But he never gave them some special set of guidelines on the use of possessions that they had a more heightened use uh, renunciation of possessions as some scholars have thought in the past no Jesus teaches us all to commit our whole life and all our resources physical and spiritual to the spread of the kingdom. This is thus Jesus at once counsels complete detachment from material possessions and money for all who follow him, discerning in the spirit when to give them away, but also when we may need to retain material possessions and money to use according as the moment and God's will shall require. This is Brother Elliot Maloney. Thanks for listening in today. See you again on New Testament Topics with Brother Elliot.